Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello, and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today I'm here with Jennifer Meir, who's the Practice Development Director at Munger, Tolls, and Olson. Jen, great to have you with us. Thank you, David. Happy to be here. So tell me a little bit about your firm. So Munger, Tolls, and Olson is a 200-lawyer firm based in Los Angeles. We have three offices, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. We opened our Washington, D.C. office in 2016 um, when we hired the former Solicitor General Don Varelli and two other amazing lawyers to start that office for us. And since it's been opened, it's quadrupled in size and is growing and, and bringing in some amazing work and partnering really well with our California lawyers. So we're very excited to have them. Um, Our firm is most known for litigation. That's the vast majority of our business, but we have a really strong corporate, real estate, tax, bankruptcy practice. So we're full service, even though we're most known for litigation. Very good. And tell us a little bit about your background and perhaps how it's informed your approach, because I think it's somewhat unique. Sure. So I um, like to joke that I'm not a real legal marketer. I just sort of faked my way into this profession. Um, I was a journalist for a decade before I started into the legal marketing side of things. I started as a cub reporter at the Los Angeles Times in the 90s and covered everything from Fourth of July parades to school board meetings to homicides. I worked in Europe for four years in Prague and and the Netherlands. It was at the time when the Czech Republic was joining the EU, so I wrote about EU accession issues. I was there during 9-11, so I uh, wrote a lot about tourism and the impact on the economy after 9-11 and the impact to Americans living abroad. And then in 2005, I joined the Daily Journal when I returned to the U.S., and uh, my eyes were open to the legal world, which I immediately fell in love with and realized that lawyers touch literally every component of society, from business to education to civic matters to arts. And I just really enjoyed learning about all the things that they were doing and the law firms that were doing it for them. And then had the opportunity to join a firm in 2007. And so I've been on this side of the house ever since then. And I found that there's a lot of skills that you use as a journalist that are very applicable to legal marketing. Number one, being curious, asking questions, learning new things. That's one of the things I loved so much about being a newspaper reporter and editor and that I still get to do every single day in my job here at Munger. In the newspaper business, we call it developing sources, but in legal marketing, we called it building relationships, and they're very similar skills, and those are things that I really love to do. Also, thinking about things in terms of what are the key and important issues when you're dealing with any subject that's, especially in this information age that we live in now, has become a more important skill than ever before, taking lots of data, lots of information, and distilling it down to the key relevant points to either make a decision or influence someone or move something forward. Written and verbal communication has also, I think, never been more important. So those are skills that I learned as a journalist that I still get to use every day and and really enjoy using those muscles in different ways here. Well, you characterize that as faking your way into the profession. If that's faking it, at least you've done it quite thoughtfully and uh, (laughs) 
articulated that faking beautifully. The rest of us, you know, you are much more qualified to be in legal marketing. No one else has has uh, any kind of a weird story like that about their background, I'm sure. No, no, not, not in this profession. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about the cultural evolution that's occurring at Munger, Tolls and & Olson and the, and the factors at play in that evolution. This is a very exciting time to be here at this firm. I love our firm. We're, we're not humongous and we're not tiny. We're somewhere in the middle. We have um, really high-profile matters done by people working at the highest level. So it's a super interesting organization to be in at this moment. Also, our culture is very distinct, and I know a lot of firms like to say that, but I do believe that about Munger. Uh, we have a very flat organization, a very consensus egalitarian firm. Um, we have a belief and a thinking and a culture that when you join the firm from the first day you join here to when your name is on the door, you have a voice in how things are run and you have the ability to surface new ideas and to bring things forward. And we've seen that in our firm all throughout the history of our firm. And I think particularly in the last several years, it started to really impact our department um, where we've had a lot more demand for our services coming from the younger generation and the next generation. And I don't think we're, we're unique at all in the marketplace that the next generation and this transition from the founders or from the from the boomers to the Xers like myself and the millennials. That's that's not unique. But what is sort of distinct for us is that it's that cultural force at play plus our special monger culture where everybody has a say and people can have new ideas and bring things forward from the first day they start here. So it's been really fun. Let's also touch on um, another component, which is that, you know, Munger, Tolls & Olson is one of those firms with a very strong brand and firms with strong brands tend to attract work. Uh, And so that same sense of urgency that other firms have felt perhaps since the downturn may not be as present at a firm like yours. And yet there is this new change that's emerging in terms of uh, new initiatives and a new approach to marketing and business development. Uh, Can you speak a little bit to why now? Sure. I think it's because we know that we live in the real world and that we aren't immune from the market forces and that we do have to continue to be keeping step or step in front of our competitors. And we have a really dynamic, excited group of partners and senior associates who want to drive that forward. And so they are asking for things like we just are rolling out a training program for marketing and business development for everyone in our organization that we call Munger You. That's a monthly session at one of our attorney lunches. Uh, We are doing more uh, one-on-one meetings with individuals at all levels of their career to talk about their practice, we call it practice development, their practice development plans. Um, We are having more people come to us for placing articles and doing proactive PR and some of the more traditional MarCom efforts. So like I said, I think it's a confluence of things. I think it's just the natural market forces. I think it's our egalitarian open environment and a great group of people who are excited about keeping this amazing organization strong and carrying it forward for at least another 55 years. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, That buy-in is hard to force, but when it comes, uh, I think you're smart to jump on it and take advantage of it. 
So talk a little bit about some of the marketing and business development initiatives that uh, you've been launching recently that you're most excited about. Sure. So I just mentioned MongerU, um, which we've had a really just started, but have had a really positive response to, and um, I think we'll continue to think about uh, more ways that we can. We are looking at it as a building out um, our individual lawyers' marketing and business development toolbox, and giving them all the skills that they need um, to build relationships, to grow their reputation, but also to be business minded, um, to think about how pricing. What are the the levers on pricing models? And things like that. So we're really just trying to um, equip people with that toolbox. um, And everybody's at different stages in their career, uh, so they can come to the sessions they want to come to. Um, What's been really positive about that, and and I think the other initiatives that we are happy about and excited about, are the ones in which I partner with my counterparts from other parts of the firm, other professional leaders. I think those are the ones that have the strongest success here in the organization. You have more people talking about why um, why you're doing it, and it just it's more cohesive. It gives people something to focus on if it's not just a singular department initiative. So um, a couple of other examples are we've been really focused with our pricing team on tracking all of our new business proposals and whether we win or lose those and the reasons why. We've been working really hard to prompt our attorneys to get feedback from the clients on that. And that's been really helpful um, and taught us a lot of lessons that we're still learning and implementing and working with. Uh, We've worked really closely with the conflicts and library team to develop really a 360-degree competitive intelligence briefings for anytime somebody's going out for a new business pitch. Um, That's really critical, and a library is a great home of information and research and information gathering, so we've been able to leverage that resource really well. And the conflicts teams really knows our business so well, so they bring a lot to bear in that regard. And then we've worked really closely with our diversity and recruiting teams to better articulate our value proposition and our differentiators in a very competitive recruiting market and why should people want to come and work at Munger. So we enjoy all those projects and partnering with our colleagues around the firm. Oh, that's a, there's a lot going on. Your plate must be uh, exceedingly full. Yes, I'm stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this going on, it must be a challenge to tie your department's marketing and BD initiatives to ROI, but we all know that to the extent possible, that is at least part of the name of the game. How are you managing that? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it is really challenging. Um, so much of the work that we do in, in marketing and business development departments, um, I'm sure I'm not unique in saying this, is, is, a, is a long game. Um, relationships grow over years, so it's, it can be difficult um, to really measure things. We, we, we need to get better at it as an industry. In our team, we focus a lot on qualitative engagement rather than necessarily quantitative results. And our firm has a, has a sort of a holistic contribution point of view um, in all the different ways that we evaluate things from, from associate review to partner comp. Um, and, and so we, we, we tend to look at impact and experience and our, is engagement going up or is it going down? And when we see it's going up, then we just keep at it and keep the engagement level high. 
sometimes I know ROI, we think about ROI, it's because we want to we want to ask for more resources, right? So we have to show that we got results on something. And I think about it more from the other angle, which is thinking about the business case and trying to understand the business problem that we're solving um, or the business need at hand that we need to move forward. So we think a lot in terms of business case and business need and trying to make decisions that way on where we're going to invest our resources. And and as you know, those resources, when we talk about the other thing about ROI that I'll just mention is there's a lot of conversation about, you know, did that convert? Did we get something out of it? And we don't, we have to think of our investment, not just as the dollars, but as the people time. And um, I always say that our people and our teams are our number one resource that we bring to bear. Yes, we need money. Okay, we're business. But the people doing it are the most critical component of it. And so um, I'm just starting a project right now where my team is measuring, keeping track of, and I got this great tip from the marketing partner forum session that I went to, led by Jen Johnson-Scalzi, and it really inspired me to have my folks, including myself, track my time, track our time for a month, and let's see where we spend it, and let's see where are we investing our time. So um, watch this space for adjustments there, but we'll be looking at that, analyzing that, and and seeing what um, kind of adjustments we want to make in terms of how folks are spending their time. That's a very important part of the investment that we make. Hmm. I like the way that you frame that. So if dollars are the ultimate priority, then of course, a monetary return on investment is going to be all that matters. But if people ultimately are the organization's priority, then engagement will, of course, be the ROI that you track first. And Mm -hmm. it is certainly much more trackable than returning dollars on marketing initiatives. Yeah, and, you know, there there can be a danger to that as well. Here we are uh, submitting another, you know, chambers or, or rankings or what have you because the lawyers prioritize it. Is there really an ROI there? The balance exists somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think that's right. And we part of our job as legal marketers, because we're the only people in our firms who do what we do, is is to bring the education component, right? That's where our counsel comes in. You know, it's not going to be a good use of our time for us to um, spend 40 hours on submitting for X ranking or for, you know, to get so-and-so, like these four people may or may not be ranked. Whatever the case may be, we we have to bring that to bear. We have to provide that counsel. We have to educate our lawyers. And that education, one of the sort of realizations I've had recently is is the education is, is an ongoing engagement for us as legal marketers. It's not when the boss calls and said, why aren't we submitting for this? Why aren't we doing that? It's because it, if you're reacting to it in that moment, then you, you, it, you're already behind. So you, you, have to, you have to be in a proactive education model at all times. I think that's why we thought about creating this Munger U program. To have the conversation lines be open and to start to lay more of the foundation than maybe we have in the past. Yeah, that makes sense. So... Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Where do sure. you go for your education, development, inspiration, and so on? Sure. Um, well, I'm a I'm a huge 
legal marketing association advocate and, and ambassador. I um, have the pleasure and privilege in this year of serving as the LMA West president. And um, that's been an incredible opportunity to meet people from all over the West region um, and learn about all the exciting programs that LMA brings to bear, um, not just in the West region, but it's given me a chance to meet people from all over the country. So I've loved the increase in networking and relationship building. And those folks that you meet in LMA really do, um, you, you lean on them in the hard days. You know, they're the ones you text on the train on the way home from work when you're like, oh, no, this happened. And they're like, right. I hear you. It's all good. You know, we'll get them tomorrow. And um, that camaraderie and collegiality and um, sort of therapy that goes along um, really um, is, is is really wonderful. Um, I'm a huge, it's, it's, it's spring. We're, we're in this wonderful time of year now. And my favorite thing is back, which is baseball. And, um, I think a lot about baseball in terms of the work that we do as legal marketers. It's very much of a, a team oriented, um, approach. You can have a great hitter, but if, if the right fielder and the pitcher and the catcher aren't all working together, then the team can't really get anywhere. There's a, tremendous amount of rejection in baseball and a lot of failure. I always think the best hitters still don't get on base, still don't hit 70% of the time. Well, they can get on base, but they don't hit. They only, you know, they only hit 30% of the time. It's the very best ones. Yeah. Um, and the season's really long. You know, there's, there's what, 160 games and then a month of postseason. And it's a chip away. And I think, uh, I think a lot of what we do as legal marketers is a long season and a chip away and just kind of showing up every day, getting ready to play with your teammates and knowing that there's going to be more failures than successes, I find reassuring and it kind of helps me on those those tough days when there's nothing to put in the happy file and it's just been sort of one fire after another. Um I also love to look at um, other industries for how they market themselves and how they position themselves and stand out in a crowded marketplace. My husband is a home brewer, and so we're we're really into craft beer and visit a lot of craft breweries. And there's so many craft breweries on the market now, it's hard to stand out. So I, I love to look at um, how how different craft breweries that we go to are making themselves stand out. And, um, and I love to look at their collateral and marketing material and think about how we could use some of the um, things that they do in our legal marketing space. I think one of my favorite coasters that I ever saw was from um, Firestone, which is a great brewery started in San Diego, one of the original kind of California craft breweries. And it says on the coaster, our beer isn't perfect but we are trying to make it better all the time. And I just <laughs> thought that was so authentic and um, natural. And I, I love the um, authenticness that I see coming through in a lot of craft brewery marketing. So um, I think about that stuff a lot too. How could a law firm take that tagline and make it their own? You know, our, our lawyers aren't perfect, but we, we try really hard. We mean well. <laughs> I just don't know if it'll translate. I don't know either. <laughs> but I think that um, I do think that authentic communication is only more important in this environment where um, in this consumer world that we live in now where your sort of personal connection to things are and your emotional connection to things become more of a driver in your decision making. 
Yeah. Um, and so we 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 have to embrace our authentic sides, and we have them right. Like law firms are partnerships. There's authentic stuff going on, right? These are people who arm to arm lock, you know, work shoulder to shoulder for years. So there's a lot of wonderful authenticity in our organizations, um, and trying to um, create space for people to express that, I think, will be positive. Will bring yeah. positive. Well, especially because so many firms struggle with this challenge of differentiating themselves in an overcrowded marketplace. And, you know, you could basically copy paste the uh, marketing language that you see from website to website for most firms. So um, what what is ultimately that message that speaks from the heart, but doesn't necessarily undermine the brand and, and is authentic for the law firm? I think that's a really important uh, question and one that we can leave our audience on. As always, thanks so much for your time and your insights and for contributing to this episode of the Market Leaders Podcast. I wish you all the luck in your many initiatives at Munger Tolls and Olson, and I'm sure we'll be seeing each other uh, in the halls at LMA. Sounds good. Thank you, David. Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.